0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the man who lives near not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but five and a half arcades, the one and only DJ.
1: Wow. W- way to arcade shame me. Thank, thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to arcade boost you. I'm trying to <laughs> like brag on your arcade proximity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's
1: sort of like uh, bubble tea if you've ever lived in a neighborhood where like, uh, that's one my bubble tea place opens up and mm-hmm. then like four other ones mm-hmm. for some reason decide that the best plan of action for business is to open the same thing right next yeah. to it. yeah, And that's what they do with like pinball
0: machines and arcades around here right now. See that sounds way cooler. See, we ha- for a while. It was just like everything was a vape store, and now all the vape stores are going out of business, and all of they're all turning into bubble teas.
1: Oh, did vape vaping finally become not cool? Good, Cause that's I mean, gross. I just
0: feel like we re- reached a tipping point because one small town does not need more than one vape store, but we had like eight. I think Our- and Jays is the one that's surviving.
1: I wonder if it's because they're cracking down on those uh, those little USB-looking ones that the kids are maybe. all into. Uh,
0: maybe. Or maybe just big bubble tea, like, force them out <laughs> in <and> a, host- <laughs> a hostile takeover. Would that- you like
1: to blow smoke, kids? Or would you like to have tapioca in your drink?
0: <laughs> mm. Neither. <laughs> Please. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this is not Tea Talk. As much as I feel like we could do a spinoff of Tea Talk, I think we should be talking Dark Towers. So let me tell you what our plan is for this episode. We are going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about the Wolves of Wolves of the Kala, Part 1, Toad Chapter 3, Mia, and then we'll close out the show with our listener question. But before we do that, DJ, you know the drill. Remind us. What is the spoiler policy here on the cast of Ka? Uh
1: oh. Like a smashed-in skull guarding a gross swamp, uh, we will bring out a large club that looks like it's ancient to smash the ground in front of you before you cross into the spoiler zone.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's a good one. I like it. I wonder if we'll ever find out. Oh, wait. Maybe. Never mind. I'll yeah. Save let's that hold for hold off. Okay. Save
1: that thought. We got to get to it.
0: Yes. 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 All right. Cool. So. DJ, where did we last leave off with our, with our contest?
1: Uh, so we vaguely know that the gang, you know, morphed into New York and got to do some cool New York stuff. Um, they find out about Mr. Tower, his bookshop and so on. And that was Eddie, Jake and Oi. Uh, we know that Roland and, uh, the... uh, yeah Susanna but also like the glowing orbs of their bodies (laughs) stayed Mm -hmm. behind um which I want to ask you about when we get to that point but uh let's not jump ahead um and so we find ourselves with like Roland and Susanna and Stephen King kind of breaks this chapter down into two sections first we sort of get a Susanna point of view Then we get a historic break where Roland, you know, a teacher explains things about stuff. And then we get (laughs) Roland's point of view of the exact same scenario.
0: That is correct. So
1: so two of them do not jive with each other. And uh, it leaves you like kind of in a blur until you realize what's going on. Uh, But we start off with like basically Stephen King kind of recapping Um, Susanna Odetta Adetta and so on and uh, explaining this woman that he knows is already with child and in kind of a mental state that is easily separated into multiple compartments and we sort of discover that um, this what we thought were three people combined is now gathered on a fourth one. And -hmm. and this fourth one is like baby protector uh, Susanna Mm -hmm. that is basically out to feed the child and get it going. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you don't remember, uh, uh, and this is probably something we need to talk about, too, is how did Susanna end up with said child? Well, um, when they brought Jake over, there was, you know, a little bit of uh, demon love going on uh, (laughs) as one does and so does one does one um so the (laughs) origin of said child is of question and we do not know for sure whether this is a demon spawn uh you know possibly the seed of a human or what have you um but uh you know uh, we shall see uh so Anything you want to add to that before I just move on to, Um, you know.
0: I mean, I think it's interesting that her name, we find out Mia is uh, the high speech word for mother. And she's very, very much defined by motherhood. I think we'll get into how that connects to the monstrous motherhood trope a little bit later in the chapter. but, But I won't get ahead of us. The other thing is, I think we're starting to really understand that Susanna is not quite as healed from the integration that happened at the end of uh, book two that we've known that Odetta and Detta are kind of there but I I personally always kind of interpreted it as aspects of the integrated personality that like those all kind of came together and she still held on to maybe the best parts of both of those women but it seems like maybe that's actually not the case now what we're learning is Susanna is not the two women conjoined but a third person that maybe is just the dominant personality and she's still responding to trauma in the same way which is by creating new personalities and this time in the form of mia
1: yeah starting to go the way of uh doom patrol girl
0: yes right oh my god crazy jane is my favorite (laughs) i love the power where she can like she says words and then they become physical and then she like throws them
1: Yeah, that where they're like uh, razor sharp, and they go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's
0: so cool. There's a
1: there's a really cool. um, I think it's called synesthesia, where words, colors, Mm -hmm. and other things like disassociate, uh, inappropriately. So like, music is color to you, or Mm -hmm. uh, uh, words are music to you, and so on.
0: I have a friend who has that, and sounds have colors to her but also she has you can she can watch like gory movies and be fine but she can't hear about things like you can't tell her a story that involves gore or she'll faint mm. she's like fainted on barked she's fainted she's had to pull her car over when she was like listening to a podcast and they were talking about a shark attack because she will she like yeah she like vasovagals over gore because of her synesthesia Oh, that's weird. Isn't that interesting? Our brains are so interesting.
1: So complete aside, but also something really cool. um, If you ever take someone's pronunciation of maybe three words in a row and just play it over and over again, uh, eventually your mind will find the melody in the way they speak. Really? Yeah. So there's a really interesting uh, example of that where this uh, lady was playing, I believe it's like the... It was sometimes we uh, uh, sometimes we behave so strangely. And as you play it, like sometimes we behave so strangely. So sometimes we be- behave so strangely. It's like dun 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 And you realize that what? like, yeah, everybody, even when you're not trying to, you are speaking in multiple keys up and down.
0: I guess so, yeah.
1: Yeah, just like you just ra- did right there. I guess, you know, I so, guess yeah. so, yeah. I guess
0: so, yeah. And, and so those <laughs>
1: notes, like when you repeat them over and over again, you'll find that just regular speech has a lot of inflection That's that is mel- melodic. So there's your fun weird science fact of the day. Um. So uh, basically uh, Roland's like kind of half asleep thinking about the world and like what's going on. And Mia jumps up. Well, uh well, I de- you know i don't we, know what she we is actually
0: that- start in mia's head i don't think roland's roland doesn't appear for a little bit
1: oh, okay okay um i'm sorry thank you for pulling me back so basically uh um the new uh Susanna. i don't know i do i just refer to her as mia from now on Like, yeah
0: I, we can just okay. call her mia for now
1: okay so quote unquote mia um basically like leaves the campsite And we get this sort of, like, um, spiritual impression that always and forever there has been this, like, sort of alternate world that just hangs around her and Mm -hmm. follows her everywhere that we have not previously heard anything about. Um, And this is almost like the room of requirement for Susanna.
0: (laughs) Oh. Interesting. I like, I had a different interpretation of it, but yeah. Uh-huh. I
1: mean, like it's a gross room of requirement, but you know, like nonetheless, it's like this fertile swamp that like lives adjacent somewhat toe to wherever uh Susanna now Mia is. And so Mia instinctively uh goes to this place. Um she wanders over uh and goes into it and she, and she sees this as like a palace with banquet halls. There is, you know, a statue in the middle of this that is, you know, one of the the um, Knights of Eld. Like, I think
0: it's Arthur Eld. Oh, yeah. is it Arthur?
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, you know, she says sort of like a grace to him and then uh, goes about a feasting in this big hall. And never eating off of plates, but breaking plates, um, having multiple conversations with the folks. Um, and while she's wandering through the halls of this great palace, um, there's a moment where she stops and sort of uh, realizes that she's not afraid of a gunslinger, but she, she is uh, fearful of their eyes. And unbeknownst to her, there is a gunslinger um, who is saddled in behind her to kind of mm-hmm. keep an eye on her as she's wandering through this palace? Uh, you know, basically talking to people, uh, talking about political events of the time, um, of, of her time, I suppose, uh, of musicians getting married, uh, all kinds of um, just like Susanna time type stuff. And it, it sort of feels like these conversations are being had with other Susannas. Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and there's moments where like this facade is somewhat broken like for example as she's eating she hears some like nasty snapping and biting underneath Mm -hmm. the tables but hey Mm -hmm. that's not her problem she's in this nice place whatever they want to do in the dark shadows is their problem Mm -hmm. no worries And, and and she's, like, cleaning food off of her hands under her dress and kind of still being, like, a little crude in this place. And it's just kind of strange. And mm-hmm. we really only get the, the hints that something is awry in this banquet hall that she's visiting until she's finally, like, eaten her fill and
0: heads back to camp and yeah i mean and let's pause here because there's a there's quite a bit of stuff in here that i think we should touch on before we get to the awesome next and this is why i have rachel yeah <laughs> so okay uh i'm gonna read you the description of this corridor that she's in and then and then i'm gonna and then i want to know if it sounds familiar to you she slowly walked down the stone corridors toward the place of feasting she walked past the rooms of ruin past empty naves and niches past forgotten galleries where the apartments were hollow and the, and none was the number somewhere in this castle stood an old throne drenched in ancient blood somewhere ladderways led to bone-walled crypts where gods knew that were gods knew how deep she came to a broad staircase a sound faint but powerful rose up to her the beat 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 of slow trans engines buried in the earth below the deepest of the crypts Mer- mia cared nothing for them nor of the north central positronics ltd which uh, which had built them and set them into motion tens of thousands of years before. She cared nothing for the bipolar computers, or the doors, or the beams, or the dark tower which stood at the center of everything.
1: Okay, I messed this up. I thought that was
0: in the Roland portion. Not. In... Yeah, this is this is in her because she's the one that sees the castle. He does not. Well, so hold on though. Okay, so let's
1: talk about because we've got the um, the positronic stuff. Uh, on table let's talk about that for a second um Roland sees like a faint glow across the swamp
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and like an energy emanating from it and the reason I got these mixed up is because I for some reason in my head when he saw the glow thought that's when Stephen King started talking about north central positronics and the engines Mm -hmm. running low underground Mm -hmm. so the the uh the toe dash space that she's going to seems to be a permanently structured science experiment interesting that that is also something that like for some reason follows Susanna so that my thought when they explain or when he explains that there's you know generators underground um those are actually real as opposed to the rest of the stuff that she's seeing yeah so my well that was my opinion or my my interpretation, interpretation, I suppose, uh-huh. yeah, is that because Roland sees it and she sees it that they do exist, whereas the castle, I thought, was just sort of a mock-up of, um, you know, where Roland grew up in Gilead.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is something that I'm kind of an ongoing question that I have of, as how much of this is just because my interpretation was that this is something that she like it's all imagined what she's seeing is a, is like a vision that she's using it like a like almost like a screen memory that she's using in order to be able to do these things and keep a mental separation between the new identity of mia and Susanna in the same way that odetta and Detta kept se- like kept their identity secret from one another and that the glow that he refers to, I took it as some kind of like weird bioluminescence, but I guess potentially it could be machinery well, underground.
1: I mean, if uh, I mean, I suppose if uh, it was supposed to be um, swamp gas, you, you, wouldn't he have said swamp gas? I, I, now I have to like go back and listen to that little section where he talks about seeing it, you know, uh, a light
0: mm-hmm. and
1: maybe rethink about it because I, I, I don't know.
0: So, okay, so the reason I wanted to read that quote to you is because I was wondering if it sounded like somewhere else in the book we've heard described to you. Yeah,
1: I mean, I thought it was Gilead, to be honest with you. Is is there somewhere else besides
0: that that you were thinking? Well, I'm wondering if it weaves together a few things because I also was like, is this some kind of Gilead? And if it is, does that mean that... Me, that Susanna has picked up memories, like, via the quartet and is kind of weaving this this world yes. together? Or is there – is Mia actually some kind of outside force more so than we think? But the reason I wanted to read that quote was specifically because it reminds me of another quote from the book, which is um, – all is silent in the halls of the dead. All is forgotten in the stone halls of the dead. Behold the stairways which stand in darkness. Behold the ro- rooms of ruin. These are the halls of the dead where the spiders spin and the great circuits fall quiet one by one. Which is what Eddie said when he pressed his ear to that box in uh, oh, the beginning of The Wasteland. Good they specifically talk about rooms of ruin here and staircases. So, does that mean that the place that he's referring to is also Gilead?
1: Ah, uh, maybe. Um, you know, the Gilead is ruined eventually after uh-huh. after Roland left. So, you know, that's as good of an answer as any. Although we live in a world of ruin, or mm-hmm. they live in a world of ruin, so. You know, could it just be referred to as the you know quote unquote everyone's ruin?
0: I mean, it also could be that Susanna is incorporating that thing that Eddie said into his into her fantasy. Like she's taking pieces of things that Roland has told her about Gilead or that she picked up via, you know, codet, shortwave mental radio. And then also remembering, weaving in this memory of Eddie saying that when he said, when he put his head to that box, it could all just be like a quilt of, of ideas. Like in the way that, you know, when you dream, you pull all these influences. Like, I wonder if that's what's happening here or if there is something actually world, world world happening. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and a, and like a very clear allusion to that thing that, that Eddie said.
1: Well, uh, to jump ahead just a small amount, um, Roland, when he's following um, Mia into what we find out later is the swamp, mm-hmm. um, can basically from their, you know, psychic link or whatever you want to name it, basically uh, devise what – Mia is seeing or at least showing the other portions of her personality uh, versus what is really there and it can in- actually interpret her wiping her hands off on her clothes and like her talking to multiple people, smashing the plates. And so with that in-depth connection, yeah, I basically assumed it worked both ways and course, that yeah. she was just seeing you know, Roland's history as the facade for this place where she's at with, you know, giant positronic machines running underground.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I mean, and the, the more evidence to that is also the way that even though she her identity right now is Mia, she's speaking in all these other voices and part of the illusion which is how i interpret it the illusion of what she's seeing involves those four special plates which is something that is very specific to the detta persona mm-hmm. so i i do think there is like a lot of her creating this this mental picture
1: now the other thing that uh, I-, I wanted to underline while we're on this particular topic is um, not only are there generators under there and like the deep dark doors that were started tens of thousands of years ago, uh, but we kind of get the impression that those generators are part of the beam and in you know um stacked association, the yeah. tower itself. Yep, that's and, a good point. And they were off the the path of the beam for a little bit back and forth, and now they're back on again. And at the same time, we are introduced to them basically being able to dash, which we will find out in a moment is a way to travel basically from universe to universe, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the very first explicit sort of cross-reference between the Beam's usages and different universes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get like uh, implicit views of like... uh, Uh, There's other worlds than these and Jake's transition from world to world and the doors Mm -hmm. in general. But this is the first time where it feels like they're associating it with possibly a man-made device as opposed to either a natural or supernatural-esque method of transportation.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean like we've definitely got hints that something that these old, great old ones did – broke the universe through their Mm -hmm. technology but you're right i think this is the like we're starting to really draw those those lines together so that that's okay so
1: um so or mia eventually Susanna gets back to the campground and now we kind of cut to like roland's uh perspective and everybody is finished eating their you know muffin balls or whatever and sort of uh you know starting to have their dream and, and roland like here's a, a crack he hears the people kind of off in the distance that are following him uh they're having conversations he almost finds them comforting because it's like these are the these are the people that want the same thing that every other person wants from a gunslinger which implies you know like justice or a problem to be solved mm-hmm. and that is something that is easier to deal with than this uh, issue of traveling from universe to universe uh meanwhile he looks over at eddie oi and jake and they sort of like vibrate in and out of existence mm-hmm. and then just leave like a you know afterglow yeah <laughs> as they transition over um and so then roland gets to start to to kind of thinking about what that means and what toadash means and it's kind of funny cause he starts out as like, is it toe dash or toe dash, you know, <laughs> should it be capitalized or should it be regular? I uh-huh. don't know. And then, and then Roland like recalls, um, you know, back in Gilead where, and I forget the name of the instructor, but he had like Vinny or Vincent or something like that. Um, what was, do you remember what the instructor's name A. was? I oh, Van A, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so uh A is like sort of the yin and yang to court where court teaches them to battle with their hands and with their strength and kind of is avenging his lost child and, and treating these kids as their own. And Van is there to basically teach them how to think as much science is still available as much astrology or you know astronomy is still available mm-hmm. as mi- much like magic and understanding of magic therein that is available and uh, this is where we kind of get and a little bit more understanding of toadash and that um it's a thing that can happen from an, um one of the balls uh it was so roland Could have toe dashed with one of the orbs that he had collected in previous time, but he knew he hadn't because um, neither of his companions had pointed out that they had toe dashed, and that would have been the easy sign for him. Uh, But we do kind of get an understanding that it's very dangerous, and when you're transitioning from uh, world to world or universe to universe, uh, there's a void in between those, and if something goes wrong, you could fall into nowhere and not come back so being transitioned from one place to the other can be somewhat of a a hectic process and that's kind of explained in like when Jake, you know, has to fight or Jake has to battle a house to get through to the Mm -hmm. other side, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, which is like also sort of a back reference to our uh, current state of affairs. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's a good pick me up. And then we find out too, that um, Vinay won't disclose to the children, whether or not he actually believes in some of this more magical stuff that he's explaining to them but that he's teaching them regardless and we also get a little insight into baby roland and it's like uh you know your imaginations um is so scrawny that if i don't feed it it'll just starve
0: <laughs> yeah oh Roland, and
1: roland is like imagining these things where like uh you know basic sentence usage where you know I like this so much and insert descriptives here to, <laughs> to describe, you know, to, to yeah. say how much I like something, which I thought was kind of funny. Cause that's like a thing that, you know, probably third graders get bombarded with in English class. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also get a little insight into who Roland went to school with. And originally his quartet wasn't three Turns out there were two other kids Mm -hmm. that were in his group. Um, One was really smart, but got some kind of sickness.
0: Well, Van A's son died of a sickness.
1: Okay. That was Van A's son. All right. Yeah. And then what about the Jane? Was it Jane? Jamie Curry. Jamie Curry. There you go.
0: Yeah. I don't really know what happens with Jamie Curry. I know when they were going to do the um, series, they were going to add Jamie to the, the quartet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe Jamie had a bigger role in the comics as opposed to just sort of in we've we've heard of Jamie Curry a couple times we've heard of them in passing but I, I don't maybe we're gonna get to know more about them in this book and I just don't remember.
1: Okay, yeah, I have no recollection of, of who Jamie Curry is other than maybe, you know, the famous MTV VJ's son or daughter from, uh, you know, is it <laughs> Tim Curry? Or no, that's not a different
0: Curry. That is, uh, new <laughs>
1: that's someone very different. Um, shoot, what is the, uh, Adam Curry. Adam Curry was the uh, VJ with long hair. Tim <laughs> Curry is the British man.
0: Is Tim Curry British? I feel like yeah, he. different. Def- I mean, he, I'm sure he, if you say he is, he is. He I mean, does, like, maybe def- he's
1: not. Now you have me questioning it. Like, I'm just
0: trying to think about his. He has a very distinctive way of speaking, but is it a British accent? I don't even know. I mean, he in, speaks with a uh, Tim Curry accent.
1: In Clue, isn't he?
0: I guess uh, so. When he's yeah
1: regular and that's like regular Tim Curry and that's
0: British. <laughs> I think he might be British. <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. Oh Yeah, he's English. You're right you are correct yep. he's probably been knighted like
1: 20 times
0: if he you hasn't know. been he should be
1: or tim curry anyway um so yeah uh uh she was it james jim jamie. jones jamie curry
0: jamie DeCurry. curry yeah jamie yeah. curry
1: the lesser known tim curry
0: son i think it might uh, be dick curry ain't...
1: isn't it <laughs> uh my curry mm-hmm. gag went way further than i was expecting it to <laughs> anyway um so all these things are kind of just interesting tidbits about uh basically what's going on with this toad ash and like what to watch out for and so inherently roland is a little bit nervous but he sort of does this thing where it's like well uh those guys disappearing nothing i can do about it now not my problem my problem (laughs) is this lady
0: yeah, well I mean cuz I think there's nothing he can do with them going toe dash where he needs to keep an eye on Susanna. He can actually protect her if she gets into danger. I do think it's important to think about when whenever these our characters get new voices in their head like people that are, you know, speaking to them essentially in their own minds, they serve very particular roles whether it's um Eddie's brother undermining him or court encouraging Roland to take action or um, calling him out on his shit. And in this case, Vinay comes in in a moment where Roland really has to use some critical thinking skills because that's sort of who he was for for Roland was – you Know, Court taught him how to fight. He taught him how to like solve a problem, like problem solve through logic. But what Van A did was teach him how to think. He taught him, in addition to some science, he also taught humanities and he taught critical thinking skills. And what Roland is dealing with right now is definitely a problem that he needs to solve, but it's also a lot of really interpersonal issues that he's gonna he needs to deal with. For instance, one of the things that Roland is thinking about here is that he sees the signs that are that that something is going on with Susanna specifically she's showing tells that that are um evidence like that there's another personality coming forward, and he doesn't understand why that's not something that eddie's picking up on and until it occurs to him that it's not it's not that Eddie is obtuse it's that he's in denial he does not want to see it, and not just because he loves Susanna but because there's a child involved. Whether he consciously knows it or not, subconsciously he's resisting that. And so what Roland is going to have to do is deal with the... Like the family unit that is within his family unit. There's a new family unit that has formed that he's going to have to essentially blow up. And there's a lot of interpersonal stuff that he's going to have to deal with here. And so I think that is, in addition to sort of the magical aspect of the situation that makes it relevant to Van A, I think he also is recognizing that the skill set that was given to him and his training by him is going to be essential in navigating whatever the hell is happening here with Susanna
1: yeah yeah definitely um so basically we also find out that uh um this isn't the first night that she's gone wandering no and roland kind of already knew he just needed to like actually wake up and pay attention to her um so basically he ends up following uh uh her as she takes off her you know or puts on her um, knee boots, hops in her wheelchair, rolls her wheelchair uh, through like some muddy area. Um, We basically come to understand that Roland and Susanna tow dash together to this place. Mm -hmm. And as they get there, Roland's like still concerned about the whole tow dash, but he's following her anyway. And as she gets there, she takes all of her clothes off and basically dives into the swamp mm-hmm. and before we even figure out what's going on with her diving into the swamp, we get this like moment where the, that it's a cloudy night and the clouds part for just a second and the moon comes out. And as the moon comes out, you hear her screeching in the background because the moon has suddenly shown light on what was once a hiding spot and a predator has rolled in and just eaten another creature. And this is sort of like the early metaphor for everything that Susanna does in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And we we cut back to Susanna, and she's like swimming like um like a swamp creature th- through this swamp, popping frogs and like eating their egg sacs, and guts, <laughs> capturing flies out of the air, grabbing stuff, pulling leeches and,
0: off herself and eating them like candy, like they're candy, uh.
1: yeah. Yeah, and like belching and enjoying herself, and as Roland watches, he sees her chatting with what he interprets, uh, basically from their connection, as uh, the other parts of Susanna and keeping them busy, uh, as you mentioned. Um, Plus, he sort of like understands that she's seeing it as something completely different because he gets that she's when she's wiping the gore onto her you know naked breasts she thinks she's wiping it onto um her clothing that she's wearing in this hall and he sees and like hears her talk to people and mention things and he knows that she's not seeing the swamp uh uh, meanwhile she's just like diving in and out uh you know eating stuff swamp style Mm -hmm. and as i mentioned before uh roland sees the glow of the swamp is this the uh underground generators running or is this uh swamp gas uh we may never know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but but i mean it's just this weird bizarre thing where one person basically sees it one way and the other person sees it as it actually is and roland realizes that like wait a minute you know (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, they might say, well, yeah, you know, pregnant women, uh, get hungry for strange things, Roland. Of course they do. (laughs) It's like, well, yes, we, we have known women pregnant to be interested in. This is uh, not
0: pickles and ice cream though. This is like rats, paws and all, (laughs) but when
1: her, yeah, when her child like hungers for, uh, raw flesh and Susanna just belches out like the bones, like an owl almost, Mm -hmm. You realize that, like, this ain't natural, guys. This is weird stuff. Um, Yeah. And we also, like, Roland basically comes to the realization that where he thought there was once three ladies, now we got four. At least four. Possibly many more. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So on the way to this place, you mentioned in the spoiler warning that that they come across a skeleton with a bashed-in head.
1: Oh, thank you. I've uh, jumped past my own <laughs> lead. Yeah,
0: no worries. And I and I think it's, you know, it's one of those things where you know that in the vision she's seeing the statue of Arthur Eld, which is just kind of, like, cool because you can see how, like, her mind is reinterpreting what she's mm-hmm. actually seeing. The other thing is I think it's a pretty good metaphor for what's actually happening with Susanna right now. You know, it's a skeleton with a bastion head, a.k.a. a broken mind.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't think of it that way. What I wanted to actually ask you about, and the reason I used that for the spoiler zone was because I wanted to know if there was any significance to this tribe that ran the swamp that maybe we could suss out from Mm. previous books. Mm. Uh, Because we also... um, And I kind of skipped over this, and we need to actually still talk about it, is Todash and the Manny. Um, So we also learn a little bit more about the Manny and the way they travel uh, through worlds or dimensions or universes, whatever we decide they are. Um, And their method is to use like uh, uh, magnets and plumb bobs and to fast and to, you know, wander to find these spots where the world's world is thin. Um, And this isn't the case. You know, whether it's because, uh, you know, Susanna got busy with the demon or because this has always been following her through the worlds, she is just able to, you know, wander from here to there without issue. And it's a very specific wander versus... Uh, you know, Jake and Eddie and Oi kind of bleeping out of existence. Mm-hmm. They didn't walk there, they sort of like group envisioned it and then bam, we're there. Whereas, uh, Mia basically knows the secret path of sort of the Manny, I guess, to get to this other world.
0: I mean, I think it's interesting that you saw this as Toadache. I, I don't, I think her, she's just like hallucinating.
1: Oh, maybe. Um the only thing that doesn't jive then is we are basically been described as in a forested area with plains and, you know, farming around it. Not, no no swampland to speak of. Mm. And we have people camping off in the distance that are also in no swampland to speak of. So i understood all this to be her toe dashing with roland to Mm. this area but uh,
0: i just thought it was a swampy area in the in the woods
1: oh and maybe that's the case uh and i'm completely wrong i i just kind of thought well okay um this wasn't described at all roland has talked immensely about toe dash and then Stephen King kind of describes it of a place that's always there for her and has always been there.
0: Yeah, because it's in her head. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she I thinks thought, it's like... a mystical place, but it's really a delusion. It's a screen well, for uh, that allows her to to feast on these animals and and feed like feed the chap right, but. But it's not actually really there. It's just so then in her you don't head. think that
1: there's like a swamp in the Kodash a... world that's been followed around? No. Okay. But, that's but what that's, I thought.
0: But I mean, you could be right. That's just I'm that's my interpretation, is that it's a sign that it the of course it's everywhere. It's it's everywhere she goes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because it's in your it's in her head. Because um, you are crazy. Yeah. So yeah, Mia, she's uh she's really something. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how she fits into the monstrous mother trope.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Lay it on me.
0: Okay. So we know, like I said, that Mia is mother in the high speech. And in the first section, uh, when we first met Mia, part of the way that she's described is this new woman, every bit as dangerous as her, uh, in her own way, as Deda Walker had been was Mia. She bore the name of no man's father. Only the word that in the high speech means mother. And so, I don't know. Are you familiar with the monstrous mother trope? No, at all? I have okay. no idea. Okay, so we know that that King loves a little bit of Freud stuff in his writing, and so uh, while Freud did not actually coin the term monstrous mother, he coined the term archaic mother. It does kind of connect to it, and it, what it is is mother is the first nourisher and the first seducer. And the image of the archaic mother as seductress became widespread in psychoanalysis in his wake. That ties into the way that she is described when she is hunting and the way that Roland responds to seeing her. So this is this is him watching her while she's hunting. Then with a suddenness that startled him, although he had seen this before as well, she began to hunt, slipping in eerily splashless silence, first along the edge of the pond and then way out into it. Roland watched her with an expression that contained both horror and lust as she knitted and wove her way through the reeds between and over the tussocks. So it it ties back to this combination of monster and and being very seductive. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that this brought to mind was uh, Echidna from Greek mythology and and specifically the way that she's described as she makes her way towards the swamp. Uh, And she is a monstrous mother from Greek mythology so she was a, a monstrous she dragon with the head and breasts of a woman and the tail of a coal- quailing serpent. She uh, represented the corruptions of earth, uh, rot, slime, fetid waters, illness, and disease. And the way that she's described going into the swamp really kind of conjures up this idea of that. She is like a bare breasted, beautiful woman on top, but then her lower body is almost serpentine as she's sliding through the mud on the way to the swamp. Uh, it says she was naked as a mermaid and moved like one as comfortable in the muck and the swamp ooze swamp ooze as on dry land. She crawled over the larger hummocks, slid through the water between them, pausing every now and then to pick off a leech in the darkness. The walking and sliding seemed to merge into a single slithering motion that was ely and disturbing. And Echidna is sometimes equated with the Python or the Rotting One, and she is a dragon born of the fetid slime left behind by the Great Deluge, and daughter of no one. So mm-hmm. she, that that goes back to this idea that Mia has no no parentage, no father, no like no patriarch. That she was like a creature of nature, um, and like wholly feminine. And then, let's see, others name her the Tartarian Lamprey, which is like a leech, essentially, and she inhabits the dark, swampy pits of Tart- uh, Tartaros beneath the earth, and presumably associates her with the rotting sea scum and fetid salt marshes, which, again, is a lot of the iconography that we're seeing in this section, that where when it's time for her to feed, she returns to this marsh, essentially. So, I don't know. There's, I, I, I feel like he's pulling a little bit from Greek mythology, and definitely play, this plays into that monstrous motherhood trope, which I thought was really interesting because her name literally means mother.
1: Hmm. I mean, yeah, that sounds really cool. Like, I, I didn't know anything about it, so I don't really have any comments other than it's cool.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll take cool.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, to, to be honest with you, like that all checks out. I even to the point where. Uh, Stephen King takes a moment to describe that Susanna was completely fine with taking on Eddie's last name mm-hmm. uh, because it was appropriate and that she had missed out on all the you know women's suffrage through the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like when Mia takes over, Mia doesn't have no. that association no. at all or give a crap about no. it.
0: She is daughter to no one and, and and by proxy like wife to no one.
1: Yeah, and so her chap is like really the only thing she gives a darn about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the other thing that is kind of funny when you say, like, from the, the sleuth left over from the creation of the world, like, yeah. when she climbs out of the swamp, Roland's like, and then she did her business.
0: Yes, her rough toilet. Ooh. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man. I mean, she just ate a lot of bones. I would imagine that would be a rough toilet.
1: Yeah. Oh. Mm. <laughs> uh so finally basically lady
0: i'm a very classy (laughs) lady what can i say (laughs) hey nice yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) so uh basically uh, finally uh roland kind of follows her back to the camp and they fall asleep um and that's where we leave off uh the guys still haven't quite got back from their no they're back
0: so when roland comes back he's terrified he's going to return and they're just going to be like those gray Blobs blobs or gone completely. And what I think is great about this is you really do see how scared Roland is for them because it underlines both how much he cares about Jake and Eddie, which is always a nice reminder. But also it really, to me, uh, tells you exactly how dangerous Toadash is. Like, it was tempting for me to just be like, oh, my God, you eat a muffin and then you go to the other universe. This is so much easier than every other way they've done it. But clearly that's actually not the case. It's incredibly dangerous. Um, the other thing that's important is he gets back there and he pretends to be asleep. And Susanna returns, and there's a moment where he's on guard because he's nervous seeing the way that she's approaching Eddie. But then she re- she like treats him very tenderly, and he realizes that it's safe and he's able to go to sleep. And it's this idea of in- how incredibly competent and clever she is is makes her both an excellent ally and an even like and a her like a terrifying villain. That she's probably smarter than him. That the only reason he even knew that she was slipping off and that Mia was a thing because she's so good at covering her tracks is because he happened to have to pee and caught her leaving.
1: Oh, um, I thought that was the crackle in the in the night that woke him.
0: No, no the the original that night he was like staying awake too follow mia because he knew that she was going to leave again because of the way she was behaving but Mm -hmm. the initial time the first time he caught her and followed her it was because he had to pee in the middle of the night and he happened to catch her leave she because she there's a whole thing about how she takes pains to cover her tracks and to clean herself and to clean the wheelchair so that a they don't know what she's doing but b in the same way that she was so careful to create these like mental partitions between Detta and Odetta, Mia mm-hmm. is also being very much kept secret from Susanna. Dun 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 dun. dun. All right, DJ, what'd you <laughs> think of this chapter?
1: I was good. Um, weird. Uh, one of the ones that I always and usually have a trouble getting my way through just because um of the interpretation back and forth and remembering which one's which but you know it's interesting uh we get another peek in or under the hood so to speak of Susanna's um mental splits and Mm -hmm. we also get some more history in roland uh and we get kind of a a weird crazy swamp lady thing so you know um win
0: win win i suppose you uh yeah i mean i think it's a really compelling a chapter for sure it's really disturbing and leans into horror in a way that that we haven't had much of um mm-hmm. i mean it's very stephen kingy right and he he knows how to really land a gross out and i think this one is definitely one of those it's hard for me to see this happening to Susanna and knowing kind of how she ended up in this situation to begin with um but yeah i think it's a it's a really interesting chapter i think in terms of, I love a lot of like psychological stuff. I like a lot of metaphor, and this thing was uh, heavy with that. I'm excited. I'm like ready though for them to meet the people that are following them. Like enough with the teasing. Let's let's get into it. I want to see Paracal let's make it happen. So I'm excited. No, six more
1: six more chapters. You're never gonna get it. No, it'll be right at the end. It'll be like, oh hi guys. Oh no. <laughs> we need
0: more time to palather. No. Although the next chapter is called Palaver, so I'm guessing <laughs> we're going to get it. So for those of you at home who are playing along, uh you uh, we're gonna be covering chapter four, Palather. Okay, so I don't have any Stephen King Universe connections here, except for that I wonder. I I wasn't, I was kind of like Googling in the background while you were talking about it. Uh, and I'm gonna look more into it. If maybe that skeleton is somehow connected to the stories, in, one of the stories in Wind Through the Keyhole, because there's that whole story about the kid in the water. Yep. So I wonder if maybe they're connected. I don't know. I'll have to do a little more, a little more research. Uh, no Stephen King news this week. And that just leaves us with our listener Facebook. Our, sorry, our listener question from the Facebook group and also just our listeners because I'm an, I've been putting them out there. All right. So this time I asked, what, okay, we had Jake and Eddie who were doing, we called it, we didn't know Toadash yet. So we were calling it Chime Traveling. So <laughs>
1: Chime Traveling.
0: So what scene not like what scene from the book do you wish you could chime travel to and see the part that was unseen whether it was what happened next or um just something that is alluded to that you didn't get to see in the books that never comes back so uh do you have a do you have an answer to that do you want to go first or do you want me to circle back to you
1: oh no that was easy um i mean there's tons of there's actually tons of stuff that yeah. uh you could easily check the box with mm-hmm. and be like yes that's really good uh, but one that's always kind of um got me wanting to know more is the little people from lud
0: oh okay and
1: all the like we get little bits and pieces of the backstory and like, oh, I burned my friend the other day because he drew the wrong card. Oh, he, <laughs> what are you doing over there? We're going to get you. We're going to get you. But like that society right, inherently had like a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. in a way that you're like, come on, give me. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Um, so <laughs> if I could toe dash, you just want to like almost watch this group of surface dwellers in LUD do this weird Lord of the Flies thing that they got going on, uh, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be down for it. I'm very interested in anything to do with LUD, so I agree. For me, it's more of a cathartic thing. I need to see Rhea get her comeuppance. We know that Roland saw her again. We know something went down, but we never get to see what it is in the books. And I just like I need the closure of knowing that he killed her. I need it. So for me that's that's where I would go if I could if I could help on the uh express train to Todash Town. Okay. An express train to Toe <laughs> So let's see what our listeners had to say. Okay. So we got some answers from the listeners. I'm going to start with an email that we received from one of our listeners, John, who always has very interesting and thoughtful things to say. So he says... Long Days and Pleasant Nights. This is a bit of a spoiler, so beware. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Actually, this is a spoiler for this book. So if you have read all of this book because we're slow and you couldn't wait and I wouldn't blame you, um, this will spoil something from this book. So keep that in mind. I feel like I've vamped long enough. If you are concerned about spoilers, you've had time to go. Okay.
1: Smashing a club into the ground. Ah!
0: <laughs> okay. Long play, long days and pleasant nights. This is a bit of a spoiler, so beware. I would like to see Shimi's travels from Hambry to Gilead. Also, his adventures from the time Roland last saw him until they meet again in Thunderclap. Bum-ba-da-dum. That is a really, really good answer. Because more Shimi is always welcome.
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean... <laughs> I don't think there's an answer you could give me that I was like,
0: you know, that's been explored enough.
1: Let's not.
0: <laughs> let's not, okay? That, fair.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe if someone was like, I, you know, I just want to toe dash to all the ways they use the restroom right. as they travel. Like,
0: well, uh,
1: okay, maybe that one. That, you did good.
0: Oh, you about, found one. That makes me think of something I do want that involves a bathroom. I would like to toe dash to the time when um what is the name of the graffiti artist uh is writing so and so what is their name
1: are you talking about the kill Kilroy was here
0: yeah it's not Kilroy, but it's like essentially that right it's uh yeah, yeah. like not buckaroo bonsai hold on
1: buckaroo bonsai graffiti. <laughs>
0: yeah what is the person's name that like there's conjecture that maybe they're Bango skank I want to yeah, go, I want to find out the identity of Bingo freaking Skank. That's what I want to do. I'm changing my answer. <laughs> I want to be in that public bathroom when Bingo Skank shows up with their pen. Um, okay, cool. So then from the Facebook, James says, it's been established that Eyes of the Dragon is pre-Dark Tower. Correct. Um, and shows an early flag. Also correct. And I, uh, at the end, the brother of the king and his friend decide to hunt down Flag. Who, uh, who has fled the kingdom? I want a story of how Flag got to Roland's court. So Roland is the name of the king in the book, so that's a little confusing. And I'm assuming what that means is is how Roland, or so does he? Okay, all right, James, I'm gonna need clarification. Do you mean how he ended up in King Roland's court, or how he ended up after the events of Dar- of Eyes of the Dragon, ending up in Gilead? I mean I wanna see both of those and both of those answers are correct. I just would like to know which one you mean. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah?
1: I'm that sounds cool too. I you know, I'm not gonna argue with that one.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Our- this is hard because like, you know, normally I have an opinion. Right. But, but you're just like, you know, yeah, cosign. Like, yeah, you know, just just because that wasn't the one I picked doesn't mean it's not a good one. In fact, you know if- Tell me
0: more about everything. (laughs) All of the answer is all of the above.
1: Okay. Do anything but make a crappy movie, and we'll be fine. You know, you and me will get along.
0: Oh God, <laughs> so grim. Okay, so John of Email Fame also waited on the Facebook, and he said he would also like to see how in Wizard and Glass Roland Minch- uh, he would also like to see how in Wizard and Glass Roland mentions he lost his belt that his mom had made him, and how it pertains to the quest to the Dark Tower. That's right, because remember she's like oh, showing yeah. up with the belt and there's blood on the belt and he wears the belt and he loses the belt but he doesn't tell you how and he says i'll tell you another time he never, he never tells does. us another time in the same book roland talked uh, a little about his grandmother deidre and uh the mad and how he's like her i'd like to go see her story as well john your answers are all excellent across the board i would also like to know the answers to these questions mm-hmm hmm. game on All right. And finally, Tim says, I wish we could follow Jake as he falls under the mountain in book one just to see if he fights a Balrog before becoming Jake the White. (laughs) (laughs) Shall not pass. (laughs) Oh, Tim, you troll. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for answering. I always really enjoy uh, what you guys come up with, like things I would never have thought of. But Totally also. I'm now now I'm obsessed. So maybe maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe your answer should have been shittier because now I'm gonna be thinking about all this. <laughs> Thanks a lot um okay question for the next episode next question now this is something that dj and i both kind of came up with together mostly dj so i'm just trying to steal a little credit this one's more of a fun thought experiment and it is uh because we were having a conversation on the discord which you should become a patreon patron and join the discord it's really fun we have a lot of really fun conversations um but it was about how to Approach a particular watching a particular documentary. It's a long story. You don't need it for the background, but this is how it came about. So the question we came up with is: if they were going to make a like a profile style documentary about someone in the books, who would you want it on? And it, and just to make it interesting, because I think most people are just gonna be like Roland. Uh, I want to know everything about Roland or whatever. It cannot be the Core Quartet. So it has to be someone aside from Roland, Susanna, Jake, Eddie, and I guess Oi. If you really want a documentary about Oi, I'll let you I'll let you have that. But it, secondary characters only. Whose profile docu- documentary do you want to see from the Dark Tower series and why? All right, so that's your question for next time. If you want to answer, hop on the Facebook, and Lee, I will post it on there as well, and you can leave it in the comments, or you can always email us at castofclaw at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or if you just want to get in touch with us, we always love to hear from you. Drop us a line there, um, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZGpodcasts plural. And if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar where we keep track of all of the horror movies that are coming out on VOD and streaming at the Zombie Girls website. And if you're looking for uh, that last minute perfect Christmas gift, of course the answer is a Casca t-shirt. Check out our merch. It's very sweet. you want it at uh, zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And if you love us and want to support us and want to hang out on our Discord and... Uh, If you want to watch our very first ever live show, you'll need to join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls. So we are doing, since I'm talking about it, I'm just going to go ahead and plug it. We are doing our very first ever Christmas special. DJ will be there. I will be there. The rest of the zombie girls will be there. Mars from... Stream Queens will be there. We also have some special guests lineup that are going to pop in. We are going to be counting down the 12 sleighs of Christmas. Essentially, our favorite kills from the year that was the year of our Lord 2021. But we'll also be playing games. We'll be doing, you know, a little bit of drinking. And we're going to do it live. So it's going to be the kind of hot mess that you don't want to (laughs) miss.
1: finally an excuse to drink a bottle of eggnog right
0: is that what you're going to be drinking
1: uh, well, i mean i i have been on a diet for the last uh two and a half weeks so yeah i would love some eggnog.
0: <laughs> well i think we're going to be cracking open some holiday themed truly's i don't know i don't know what the heck's going
1: what is be a holiday themed truly so like uh... is one of
0: those like those alcoholic seltzers that and they put out a holiday edition pack so Mars. So what and-
1: is the holiday flavor though? Is it like sparkles or? There's like <laughs> I don't know.
0: There's like a cranberry one and a spiced apple and a couple of other ones I can't remember. But I bought I bought the pack so that because it's what Mars and I are going to be drinking. And we're going to do a little taste test of it, but we're going to do it on camera. So that's going to be fun. I'm sure the technology is going to go great. Um, I'm sure there'll be no problems with that. <laughs> And we will eventually put the audio out for everyone. But patrons for patrons only, you get to actually watch watch it unedited. <laughs> so buyer beware. But join our Patreon. It's going to be on the 23rd. I will have more details about the specific time as we get closer. I will post about it on the Facebook. I will post about it on all of our social media. We hope that you join us and hang out. It should be a lot of fun. Okay. So... The other thing you get is an ex- every episode across the network are extended for patrons. And today, I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but it should be interesting. Any ideas of what you want to talk about, Deej? Uh,
1: di- di- um, digital drums. Digital no. Drums.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we'll just. I think we'll just. Yeah, we'll talk about all the weird stuff that's on our minds. We'll figure it out. You'll just have to stay tuned to find out. You'll just have to be a patron and and stay tuned if you want to know what random stuff we're going to be talking about. But it should be a lot of fun.
1: All right. I mean, spoiler. Have you ever had a friend?
0: No. That
1: always provides you with input, but the input is not the thing that you were asking about. It's some other thing that is ancillary, but adjacent to the thing that you... Uh, want to know about and then proceeds to tell you why you should do that thing not realizing that you've already done it and that's not the problem it's a bigger thing that's a beyond that thing that you would like to explain to them
0: i think this is like the equivalent of like vague booking in podcast form so i think if you want to know what the hell he's actually talking about and specifically who <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to stay attuned for the extended all right dj If they're not sticking around and they want to find you other places on the internet, where can they do that?
1: Um, Apparently, I'm told that we have some sort of YouTube thing that's going to be happening in the future. So swing (laughs) over to YouTube eventually (laughs) with yet to uh, be known address and or location. So don't swing anywhere. Uh, You can still find me floating around on YouTube. I still reply to 10 to 15-year-old videos that are still getting thousands of views and comments from people asking if I'm dead or not. Uh, Hint, I'm not dead. (laughs) Rachel, where can people find you?
0: Well, you can find me on all of the podcasts on our network, Zombie Girls, where we review horror from a feminist perspective. You can find me on the Stream Queens where we review horror films that stream on the internet. You can find me on More Deadly where we review horror films that are directed exclusively by women-identified directors. And you can find me on Untitled Nick Cage Show where we review the back catalog of the man the myth the legend himself nicholas cage and also this month i will be guesting on here's johnny where we are going through the entire scream franchise and the lead up to scream five i think if there's anywhere else you can find me i think that's it until we launch later this year uh, our youtube project which may or may not be called super donkey <laughs> i don't know if i'm allowed to say that maybe i should cut that
1: <laughs> i don't even i did not i have not paid enough attention to know if
0: that's fact or fiction, i mean that's so. that's the the scuttlebutt on our on our like super secret discord server uh,
1: i i checked out after a while because it's like yeah i don't really care whatever you guys tell me <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, yep, that's where you can find me. Lots of places, DJ. Unless people are hanging with us for the extended, this is it. Take us out.
1: All right, close your eyes for a moment and imagine you hear plop, plop. Oh god, plop, and then some splashing, and then some some knee booties. You just watched someone
0: poop. <laughs> oh, good night. Oh my god. I was like, "There's going to be a twist." I know it, and the twist was. There was no twist. (laughs) There was no twist.
1: Bye, everybody. (laughs) That's going to live rent-free in your head for a week.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening, and to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh, and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Okay. Uh... Ooh. Sorry. I'm like my brain's doing too many things at once and I only have like two brain cells left, so it's not going well. Okay. Hello everyone and welcome to the extended episode of Cast of caught episode 71. We haven't even talked. We never do the numbers, but this is episode 71. I know that you wow. you were on one of the longest running horror podcasts. Um so that's not a really impressive number for you, but it I mean, it doesn't feel like we've done this 71 times, maybe cuz it's just so much fun, but 71's a lot. Oh.
1: Well, let me uh, let me paint a picture for you really quick, and this is ancillary to anything I was alluding to before the show closed out, but I have a synthesizer at the house that I bought brand new, and it stopped working correctly, and so I was like, okay, I'll open this up and see if I can figure it out, and there's, like, one of those uh, quality assurance test stamps, you know, the, like, little white tag, like, somebody signs their initial to it, like you know, checker number 47 looked at your item mm-hmm. and it's dated 1999. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. So I bought this in 1999, whatever. And then I'm like, I wonder if I can find some spare parts for it. Turns out I've had this for long enough that now it is considered a vintage classic item. Oh no. And it has gone up about uh, four times what
0: I paid for it uh, in the time frame that I bought it. <laughs> which sounds like both good and bad so like the thing you have has more value but also replacing parts for it is fucking expensive yeah and luckily
1: like i was able to like dig through my box of random hardware and and cables and stuff and figure out how to fix it but the the point i'm making is with like these podcasts and with these other things is that time gets ahead of you uh to the point where one day you turn around and look back and you're like holy crap yeah it's it's the time we were supposed to have flying cars now, yeah. and that was, like, some beyond the future thing yeah. that we had never pictured. And even, like, in the 90s, remember the the Discovery Channel show that was, like, beyond 2000? Yeah. Where they would talk about inventions that, ev- or like, sometime in the 2000s will finally make it into the consumer's hands and it'll be amazing and change the world.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Like, one of those was OLED uh, <laughs> painting methods that are now used in our televisions.
0: So crazy, isn't it? The way that techno it's always fun to watch, like, sci-fi from the 70s or whatever where, you you know, like, they were imagining a future that is, like, nothing like what we ended up as. Like, But at the same time, like, that
1: inspires development of things that we didn't even think we wanted, like – tablets and you know uh health care items that go on your wrist and so on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true, right? Like Star Trek, we don't have tricorders, but we all have like Apple watches that are telling us if our heart or like those rings now that women like a lot of my girlfriends have that like are giving you all this like biometric data every day and they're like telling you like take a breath, calm down, you need to rest. Your heart rate's a little elevated, <laughs> I guess. Wait, the ring? What is? Okay, so I need to know more about this ring. So it's What's a this piece ring about? of jewelry. It looks. It just looks like a ring, but it, it actually is like if you look on the inside, it's got like I don't know microchips of the future. I don't. I don't actually know what the technology is, but it will like mm-hmm. give you reports of like your temperature is slightly elevated, or you didn't get enough sleep, or um, you know, your heart rate is elevated. Take some deep breaths and and. Calm down. Like uh, there's all it's crazy. It's crazy. And then I'll like give you a report about like your biometric data.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Next nuts. I mean, I, you know, I, I want that, I guess, but I also don't because uh, I, I think I would rather just uh, not know that I'm dying and never worry (laughs) about it.
0: Yeah. I mean like this way can easily lie madness. Like if you start getting obsessed with the data, like it can you can definitely go down a rabbit hole with like the health data.
1: Well, or it's worse. Um, have you, okay? So uh, this is another kind of weird but also interesting thought experiment. Um, so you're trying to figure out this thing that makes you sick or this result that you want to know uh, uh, more about. So you you feed all of this into an AI and all your Data from you know your health and and your blood tests and whatever and like it poops out a result and the result is like here's what's gonna happen uh-huh. and the question was like I don't know but I threw all my data in here and I wanted to know what was gonna happen <laughs> so right. like you have an answer but the answer like you have no way of looking into the secret sauce right. to figure like, out but like, what do
0: these numbers mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like
1: there was a really a fun thing where um, these scientists were researching how this chemical reaction works. I think it was in your stomach to deal with certain types of long protein chains because they want to implement it in um, in like a processing system to make biofuels, I think. Mm. And, and so they they run it through and they get a solution, but they have no idea why the solution works it works but like they don't understand (laughs) that part and like when you think about what science is the problem now is that they can't write a paper on it because they don't understand why it works they just have the question and they have the answer
0: they don't have (laughs) the why yeah jesus i mean yeah i definitely feel like we've reached a place in science where you know they say like any advanced technology or science if it's too advanced it starts to feel like magic or people think it's magic like that's how i feel about like when we start getting really deep into like scientific or or math conversations i'm like oh i'm like the person in the dark ages who's like that's the devil that's definitely devil devil.'"